Words from the Hills, reconfigure your life, change your heart, and prepare you for all that God has destined you to be. Welcome to the Hills Church. So what I thought I was going to share is something totally different. And so I think it was on Tuesday night. I was praying for something else. I was, I was just having pressure within me. Um, I started a new business and I felt so much pressure and overwhelming feeling. And so I began to pray, God, I was tired. It's like the more you try to achieve something, the more there's just so much more to do and so much pressure. And so first, the Lord encouraged me with a, with a scripture, which was, um, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. And afterwards, the Lord gave me a scripture, which I, f I didn't know at the time that's what I was going to share. And it was, and I'd like us to, to put it in the screen, Philippians 3, verse 12. And this was um, Paul, and he was talking, and he says, not that I have already attained or I'm already perfected, but I may press on, but I press on that I may lay hold of that which Christ has also laid hold of me. I'd like us to put 12 to 14 down. And so, brethren, I do not count myself to have apprehended. The one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward to the things which are ahead. And I press toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. And so I began to read that scripture and I'm like, okay, Lord, what are you trying to say here? And the Lord began to speak to me about a higher call, a higher call, a higher call. And that's what I heard. And so I sent um, Pimo a message saying, I think I got this word, but I'm not too sure I need to delve deeper because this was a little bit off my comfort zone. And my comfort zone is basically, if they come and tell me, talk about power, Christian, um, faith in the word of God, that's my that's my comfort zone because I came from a background. My parents were Christians and, and their journey of faith was so incredible. And so I saw that. So I, I came from a background where I believed. I'm going to land back at this, but I'm just going to digress about, about my own journey. I came from a background where their journey of faith was so incredible. And I literally grew up believing the scripture as it is. And so now I, when I talk about the scripture and tell people about the word of God and saying that the word of God has never failed me. Some people tell me like, okay, they prayed about this, they prayed in the word, this didn't work out. I'm like, I live in my own, in that bubble of God's word never failing me. And I grew up that way. I lived in that reality of the power of God. And so every single scripture, whether it's a lion story that now people say is fabricated and all that, the lion, I believed it and I saw it work even in my household and I saw my parents would tell us stories incredible stories of faith how when they got married and you know they had God their own they had God they got married and so my mom was pregnant for my brother the firstborn his name is Victor and she was very very ill and they would go to the hospital and run a couple of tests and all of it and they also noticed that the baby also the growth of the baby was very small like the baby was very very small and so in one of the tests they were running, they found out that, okay, my mom was AS, my dad was AS, and so they didn't know. So they were highly suspecting that the child would also be a sickle cell. And so immediately my parents heard the news, they just held hands with very casual, like not even like speaking anything, they just held hands and they said, Father, we thank you because you honor obedience and you honor faith. And we're married in obedience. And so, Father, we're gonna have four kids and they named all of us two boys, two girls, and none of them 
would be sickle cell. And they forgot about that. And so my mom would go to put, um, on her ED, would go to um, deliver my brother. And the doctors were like, this baby is too small. Like they can't even see the baby and all that. And so she asked them and she said, what's the recommended weight for a baby to be? They said 2.5. And they were suspecting the baby was less than that. And she said, okay, my baby would be exactly 2.5. And just as she spoke, that's exactly what happened. Baby came out exactly 2.5. All of us came out, four of us, none of us, SS, two boys, two girls. And so I had this experience of power of God and faith that this thing is real and there's a God, even if there's a God that my parents would speak to and, you know, change things. And so I remember in my own time, we started reading Bible in, at, from five years old, we'll do morning devotions and it would be so powerful. There'll be the power of God, our maids will fall under the anointing. It was just wild. So I grew up in that wild household of faith like that. And so I remember circling at primary two, one of the scriptures, which was, um, all things are possible to them that believe. And so I circled it and I didn't know why I circled it. And so when I was in primary two, I noticed that I was a B. Okay, so we went to a secondary school that was very funny. So it was a Montessori school, supposed to be one of the best, but however, their scoring system was very competitive, such that the brightest of the kids were put in A, and the second brightest were put in B. And so if you were in, in E, they, that means you were dumb. Literally, that's what, exactly what they were telling you. And so at the end of each session, you have an opportunity to compete where, so we were 30 in the class, and the first 15 in the class would remain in that, would remain, so if you were in A, you would remain in A, but the last 15 will go to B, and the first 15 in B will now go to A. And they will call names in the general assembly, like you're now going to A. And so I noticed that all of my siblings were A students, like A, my sister was in primary one till she was in primary, sorry, primary one A. So they were, like my brother was bright, was primary one. My sister even left from primary four. She slammed her common entrance and went to secondary school at nine years old. So she was that brilliant. But I was a B student. I went to primary, I was in primary 1B, I was in primary 2B. And so when my sister slammed her common entrance and she was going to go to, I, I felt like I wanted to be in A. Why couldn't I be in A? Why was all of them in A and I couldn't be in A? And so I, said, I thought to myself that I was going to really work really hard. But unfortunately, by the time the result came, I had an average and I, got, I came 17th. And so I knew it was not possible because based on the scoring system, it was the first 15 that will move, at, move over to A. And so I remember that scripture as circled as a little girl saying, all things are possible to them that believe. And so I would go and I would pray that scripture. I may not have articulated it that way, but I knew I prayed that scripture. And I held the scripture in my hand. And I told God and I said, I wanted to go to primary 3A for the first time in my life. And so I forgot about that prayer. And, you know, as a child, you watch TV, holiday. And the new session came, and we all stood in assembly. And next thing I knew was that um, they called my name. And they said I was going to A. I think they tried to explain something that happened, that their policy had changed for that time. But I didn't understand that all I knew was that I had experienced a miracle. And those things my parents were talking about was real. And so I, that started, that awoke a journey within me about God, that there's this God that you can talk to, and he hears you all the time. And so I began to have conversations at the time with this God, and I, 
write journals and I would gist him about my day. I saw him as a best friend, but at the time I wouldn't know that that's what it meant to be intimate, that's fellowship and intimacy with God. But I knew that I was just talking to this person and I would tell him if I had a bad day, I'll come back and I'll tell him this is how my day was. And he would speak back to me. He would literally tell me how my day would be the next day and we would have those kind of conversations. And sometimes my parents would come into the room and I'm talking, they're like, you're acting drama. I'm like, but I know I was talking to this person. And so that's how the journey started. And I grew up in that confidence, in that intimacy. I didn't know at the time that was what was meant to be intimate with God. And so countless, countless of times I would depend on this God for everything I needed. Such that the same pattern repeated in secondary school when I was going to go to secondary school. I, it was like I didn't meet the cut-up or something. And then federal schools were the in thing. So if you were going to go to a private school, that means you were not so top-top in your common interest or something like that. And so I knew my parents called me and said to me that ah, your first choice, Abloma, was not working out and you have to start with the private school, Bereton. And I went back to God. That same scripture, I said, no, I didn't want to, to do, I want to go to secondary school in Abloma. My sister was already there. Very normal reasons, I would just say, my sister is there and I want to go there. And so I started off two weeks into Bereton. And next thing, I got a call saying that you need to go back to Abloma, that you've, they've called you to resume there. And so it was like back-to-back miracle. And I had this relationship with this God. And so the same thing to when I was going to go to university, I started talking to this same God. And I said, so every decision I was going to make, I would speak to him about it. And I said, I didn't want to school in Nigeria. I wanted to school abroad. I wanted to be the first person in my family to school abroad. And so I started off in university year one in Uniport. And I, then I would tell my peers that, don't worry, but yet I'm going to school abroad. I didn't even know how it was going to happen, but I'm going to definitely, I'm not going to school in Nigeria. But that didn't happen. And something else happened to me in university, which was life. I forgot about this person I used to converse about. I just went deep into life. And so obviously other things began to grab my attention, just like a normal teenage, I mean, basically I was eight, probably above teenage, but just as a normal girl who was shielded. And now I'm experiencing life. I wanted to fit in so badly. And so I got into various things, relationships and all of that. And so for the first time in my life, I noticed that I began to struggle. Struggle, real struggle, I began to experience. So I was no longer that girl who was so confident, who would like say something and they would tell me something and go back to God, we would have conversations. I just didn't have that anymore. I didn't even know that was the problem, but I know I was just deep into life. And so I began to struggle, struggle. I began to feel real broken, brokenness for the first time and helplessness. And, and then I couldn't deal with pain. So something else happened to me. I, was, I became an emotional wreck. So everything, I just couldn't deal with it. And so then I started taking pills just to survive on a daily basis. How? My mom was a pharmacist, my dad is a doctor, and so when I used to have really bad dysmenorrhea, and so my mom would give me Lexotan at some point when all the drugs would not work. And Lexotan would knock me, but it would give me one kind of feeling that I, like as if you're high. <laughs> and so I went and stole packs of Lexotan from my mom's um, drawer, like packs of it. And so my mom would give me 1.5, but I, was, I now started taking three milligrams. Whenever I had a bad day, whenever I felt funny and upset, I would take three milligrams. I increased it to nine milligrams. That wasn't even enough. I started taking Benilin, mix it, 
just to survive, just to survive daily because I had cut off from my supply, literally. And that reminds me of a scripture that says, John 15, verse 5. It says, I am the vine and you are my branch, and you are the branches. And remain in me and you bear fruit because without me you can do nothing. And so that's the life of the Christian. We're meant to be dependent on our source for everyday life. And that's where you're going to get your strength from. That's where you're going to get everything. And sometimes we feel like there are certain things we don't even want to take to God. Everything. God actually enjoys that dependency that we depend on him on every single thing of our journey in life. And so I didn't know what was wrong. I didn't know that it was because I had cut off from my supply. I couldn't articulate it that way. And so I just knew that I struggled all through university badly. Unlike when I was in um, secondary school and primary school, when I had this you know, ex- intimacy. Now I would know his intimacy and fellowship with his God. And so I did university with a big struggle. I became depressed, suicidal, so many things. I didn't want to go into there. And so after university, I went to service year. And I, after service year was big struggle. Everything, my life was just a struggle. I was taking vodka just to survive daily. I will mix vodka. They caught me. My parents caught me with the Lexotan. And they warned me seriously. They shouted at me, what is wrong with you? Why are you? My sister saw packs of Lexotan in my bag. What are you doing all this for? What, is, what are you going on? So that I stopped taking Lexotan. Then I became like taking just to survive. And so after um, my service year, I moved to Lagos. And so that was the beginning of a setup. And so um, by God, I'm sorry, I would like to put that scripture again. Say, lay hold. So here, I would, I would go back. And here Paul was talking about that I may lay hold of that which Christ also lay hold of me. When you check the dictionary meaning of lay hold, it's like, it's like someone has pulled you, has dragged. It's like, like think about a rope and you're pulling the rope towards. So Christ had laid hold of Paul. And every one of us, there is a pull by Christ, whether we know it or not. We may not have had um, a dramatic experience like um, Paul, who had a dramatic conversion and everything, but there is, for you, for, for you being saved, there is a pull by God. So Christ has laid hold of, Christ has laid hold of you, and even if you're not saved and you're here, the reason that you're here, there's an orchestration by God that is pulling you to him. And so there is a reason why Christ is laying hold of each and every one of us. There is a reason. And, that, and that's what Paul is saying, I must press on that I may lay hold of that which Christ has laid hold of me. And so the pull began when I started my, after my service year. I, so a friend of mine came to me and said that um, let's go and look for jobs and everything. That she was combing the whole of Lagos, like she'd be dropping her CVs. So that first week I saw that, no, don't worry, I just want to sleep and chill and just, I want to do anything. I had a stressful yeah and so the next week again she called me and she said she had done the whole of lucky phase one and i won't i join her so i said okay i liked her determination let me join her and so we go from second roundabout to go start looking for jobs with like bags of cvs and we enter a place and i think they were even doing interviews and so we sat down and i had um my own session of interview and the guy was a foreigner was a white guy and he said to me after the interview i don't know what it's about you but i like you and I didn't know. I didn't know that. I just. I wasn't even going to church. I lost all everything. So I didn't know. Maybe it was God being with me. And so He said, um, "I'm leaving here by the end of this month. 
I'm going somewhere in the cage, a big hospitality place, and I want to make you my HRO manager. And I said to him, ah, HRO manager, how? Like, I even know that in Nigerian courses study HRO, whatever, but I knew there was something called HRO management and human resource. And so that was very strange. And that was the beginning of a setup. And so I was excited and told me the pay and everything. He just found favor. I just found favor with this person. And so I remember going there to resume and he was introducing me to the board of directors and the, one of them was a, was a chairman. And he said, this is our HR. And she said, yeah, she's gonna handle everything, our recruitment, everything. We're gonna recruit about 100 staff henceforth. And he stood up and walked away. And so now I wasn't even feeling bad because it wasn't a case of I was even qualified and they were looking down on me. I was not even qualified. So me, I, I was just wondering, what exactly is going on here? Like, what kind of setup is this? What's happening to me? Like, so I was just like, okay. And then something else began to happen to me and I said to myself, wow, how was I gonna do this? How was I gonna, gonna achieve this? And then it began to dawn on me like, hmm, there's this person that I used to run to. <laughs> as a little girl that I used to talk to. And I said, okay, God, I need your help. So that was my first time I started communicating again back to God. And I said, Lord, I need your help. But then it was very transactional, but that was enough for God to begin to work a journey with me, right? That was enough. It was more like I needed his help. And that's why I was even having a conversation with him and God didn't mind. The fact that I would have to have a conversation with him, even for that, was enough for God to begin to work something real in my life. And so then I would have to converse with him for everything. Like, okay, there's this policy now. I need help. And then put my sister with me. My sister, if you know her, she's someone that in our family we know when you send that message, you might not even get the response to two days, three days after. And so for whatever reason, she had my time. God was just using her to help me. And so I wanted to excel so badly. And I'll message her. So together we work on the policies. We review. We do everything. And when I have difficulties, I'll message her. She would immediately respond and everything. And so I was excelling at my work. And I was talking to this person again, and I was excelling. And so um, at some point, even the people that said, this is a HR, came back and said to, to me and said, are you sure you didn't have any HR background or learning or CIPM? or I said, nothing. I was like, wow, you're really, really good. And so God used me in that place like that. And so, but funny enough, that communication I started with God back, they just became a pool for something more that started. God began to place a hunger within me for something more. And so I wanted to begin to attend church again. And so then God led me and God, my sister told me because she left, that she, there's a place in, because we lived in Lucky Phase 1, in Freedom Way, the dome or whatever, that she liked the worship and everything when she went there. I said, okay, let me try it. But I was very busy because some days in the hospital industry, Sundays I'm even like on duty. And so I remember going into the service that day, the first day of the service, and I think it was a Pastor Tony that preached. And the message was very inspiring. It was about the power of God. It was about, you know, the kingdom of God. Those kind of messages, very confident. And so... I remembered like, man, I had this confidence. I had this access when I was a little girl. This is something I want, like I want it back. But I didn't know how, because I, my church going was just even like, I would have to go to church like two weeks, trial Monday to Saturday, I'm busy. I'm the office, I live in Lucky Face One and the office was in um, Ajawo Estate. And so I didn't even have time. And so I started the job, I think I was not up to a year in that job, and the hunger was too much. It was just too much for God. 
and I hated everything. I just became very dissatisfied. I didn't know what to do about my situation. And so I took a day off. I said, no, I need to settle this. And so I, 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 when I took a day off, I went to my room that night and I cried and I said, God, I want you. I want back that relationship we had, you know, I want it back. And so I cried, I began to journey back to God. And for the first time in a long while, God spoke to me. So all along, yes, I would pray, but, and I would see things happen, but I wasn't really hearing God. And so God spoke to me very clearly, just as he used to speak to me as a child. And he said, I should resign and leave that job. And you know what? Contrary to maybe other times in which I hear God or whatever, for this, that I was excited. I was so excited that my father had spoken to me after a long while. That was my first this thing. That was my first approach to it. Like, wow, God actually spoke to me again. And I just immediately, now I know what to do. Because I always tell people that it's never the situations we face or never the challenge we face. It's actually finding God in those challenges and locating God in those challenges for us as believers. That is the issue. And that's been the issue. When I cannot hear God or when I cannot find God, that is when I'm totally like fearful but when you know and you hear God man that settles it and so I ran I'm like wow I know what to do God has spoken to me and I went and dropped my resignation and so my colleagues had like okay I had to wait out my um, resignation period and so my colleagues said what is wrong with you at the time we were even they were even doing half salaries because they had crazy directors who would travel with our checkbooks and until they come back, they release money. So the com company had to function with cash we get. And so I made a policy that all oh, let all the junior people be being paid full. We as managers, let's get, get um, half salaries. So I think I was being owed like almost three months. And they're like, won't you even wait? Are you foolish? Won't you wait to even get all your money? So I'm like, I don't know what these people are talking about. Like God has spoken to me after a long while. And they're talking about waiting. I didn't care anymore. I had that confidence that I will be fine. I will be taken care of. I just wanted to, f to hear God again. And that's what happened. And so I got my rest, I mean, I finished my, my waiting period and I stayed home for three days, fasting and praying and just reading the word and fellowshipping. I felt excited again that I was starting a journey with God and I felt free. There was no walk or anything. But after the third day, I began to say, okay, God, <laughs> did you tell me to resign just to be praying, eating, sleeping? I don't really know. And so then the Lord spoke to me again the second time. And he said, um, that church you used to attend there is a church office um go there and I, I will now know why the lord sent me there later on and i rose my one was that god was speaking to me and that's what i wanted so i dressed up immediately drove and i came to the church office and then i think the lady i saw i can't remember her name but maybe then i would now know it's like a bolanle or something and so she asked me what i wanted i said i wanted to see any of the pastors and probably she thought i wanted to have a counseling session and the person that came was um Pastor Moses, but I didn't know, <laughs> I didn't know their names at the time, and so Pastor Moses came, and he introduced himself to me, and he said, I'm Pastor Moses, I said, why are you here, and I said, I'm here because I just want to work for God, and he looked at me with so, um, so much excitement, and I wonder why is this guy so excited about this, doesn't he hear this enough, and I'm like, <laughs> And then I now know Pastor Most personally. Pastor Most personally is someone that goes to journey with people and he gets rejection and everything. Here he's just seeing a younger saying, I want to work for God. And he was like, yay, in his, in, his, in, his, in his mind, I'm sure. And so he said, okay, what do you want to do? I said, anything. And he said, there are no positions that I could just volunteer or whatever. And so I was volunteering. 
and just working and I wasn't even getting paid. That one did not even bother me. I was just so happy. And so I began to get fed in that environment and began to journey in in that in that environment. And so um and that's where my one of my foundations that God began to build me and equip me. And so um I remember like I was a message Pastor Mo preached and last year and he was talking about sitting in the third heavens. He preached it first in, a, in one of the prayer meetings and I said, Pastor Mo, I remember those days when I started volunteering and I just started this journey with God and I will pray a scripture for six months. That's all I prayed about. Ephesians 1 verse 18. That the eyes of my understanding be opened you know, that I may know the hope of my calling and the exceeding greatness of the power towards them that believe. And that's all I prayed for six months. And boy, literally, I lived like I was in a bubble. There was no depression. How? There was no depression. There was no, I, as in, in fact, what used to even happen to me was that I hated seeing brokenness around me just because of the way how I felt, felt when I was broken and saw pain and everything. So I couldn't even stand. And so God began to use me to work miracles because, and I, it wasn't like, I felt so powerful. Like if I saw a dead body, I would raise it. But it wasn't like I would raise the dead body because I wanted to show power or have power. It was more like I couldn't stand brokenness around me. And I knew that I had access and I had power. And I sat in the realm of the spirit of God with authority. And I could speak to a situation and it would change. And so I felt it. I knew it. I worked with that conviction every day for those months. And miracles would happen. And I remember one case I would just share before I talk about Paul. One of the cases was my sister-in-law who had been trying to have a child for six years. So I had to make a short trip to Portaco to pick up a document. Very short trip. And I, she came to visit my mom. And I think they had the test result. And there were just issues surrounding it. I think she had fibro that was blocking something that was just by where she should conceive. And that's the reason why she had not been able to conceive. And she was in crying and just didn't, they didn't, felt, they didn't know what to do. And so, but I couldn't attend to it because I came for something very briefly and I went. And I remember I, I sat, when I got back from my, my sorry, from Portacot, I sat down in my room and I began to say, Lord, no, time of favor has come for her. And I began to pray. I said, God, and God now showed me what to pray and how to pray exactly concerning her matter. And I prayed exactly concerning that matter. And I got a release. And then I spoke to her, sent her a message. And I said to her, blessed mother, you're going to conceive. I feel that release. And so that same morning, she conceived. And everybody in my house, my brother just called me and says, oh, prophetess, hey, this church, they go now. You don't pass us. Like, like when my brother, when, we, when I veered off another, he was still fervent. He was a Christian um, all through university. And then he was a pain in our ass because then he was the one that would come and tell us go to church. We hated him with everything in us. <laughs> Because we hated him so much. Like, what sort of boy is this? Like, like even my parents were not bothering us like the way he would bother us. Like he was so radical. Like when we we're watching Days of Our Life, he would come, put off that TV and start speaking in tongues. Baby, baby, baby. Until him and my brother, him and my sister fought one mighty fight. He was very zealous. So we hated him so much. And then he's like, ah ah. So I saw the text message you sent to Jachi and everything. And you know, did you hear that? you know we're pregnant now and all of that and so God began to walk there's so many encounters and so many experience but then why am I saying this and sorry that's the scripture again and so there's a reason why 
there was the pool of God all through my journey. There was something that God was equipping me for. God was pulling me into. And just like Paul, and he says, not, not that I have already attained already, but I press on that I may lay hold of that which Christ Jesus has also laid hold of me. And what is it that, that he was pressing on for? Let's read Ephesians 3. And this was Paul now giving us a reason. Ephesians 3 verse 1. It says, for this reason, I, Paul, the prisoner of Christ Jesus, for you Gentiles, we can, if indeed you have heard of the dispensation of the grace of God, which was given to me for you, how that by revelation he made known to, the, to me mystery, as I've already briefly, briefly written already, by which you read that you may understand my knowledge in the mystery of Christ, which in other ages was made known to the sons of men, as it is now being revealed by the Spirit to his holy apostles and prophets, that the Gentiles should be fellow heirs of the same body and particulars of his promise in Christ through gospel. So there was a reason why Paul had that dramatic encounter with God. There was a reason why he was being taught the revelation and the mystery of God. And he said it's because for the Gentiles, for the Gentiles, for you. And that was his call. And that was his call. That was Paul's calls, call. And so each and every one of us has been called by God onto something that we must press on for. Each and every one of us, from even as we are saved, we've been given something. So Paul had his, Paul had his salvation, but he also had an individual ministry call that he was called onto. And the Bible tells us in the scripture, even for you that has been saved and may be wondering, what is it exactly I'm called to? You've also been called to, to the ministry of reconciliation just by the reason of being saved. God has saved you so that he, he reconciled you back so that in return, you would go and reconcile others back to him. So there's a ministry of reconciliation each and every one of us has. That is the call we must keep pressing on for. And there's also, I mean, individual calls that God has called us, each and every one of us to. And it's, it's a call by God. And that's why it's not just a call. It is a high call. A high call means that it is called by God. And that's why it has to be higher than any other call. Because it is from God. It emanates from the agenda, agenda and the heart of God. It is bigger than any other call. It is bigger than any other agenda we may set for ourselves. And so Paul counted everything as loss in comparison to this higher call that he had by God. In comparison, he, count, he counted everything as nothing. You know, he, can't, he couldn't even compare it. And I, I remember that was the feeling I felt when the Lord told me to, to leave my job and to resign. I just could not compare, like, the life with God and the life I had with God with whatever, trying to struggle, run around to make nine to five ends meet. There was no comparison. There was just no comparison. You know, there was no comparison at all. The excellency of the, of the revelation of Christ being revealed in us, there was no comparison. And so that's the same thing too. Paul was saying that he, he counted, Paul was a learned um, lawyer, profession. You know, in his own rights, he had attained some level of success. You know, even when he was persecuting the, the Christians, he thought he was doing something right. So he, in his own right, he thought, but everything was worthless compared to the call 
the higher call of God. Everything else was worthless. And so I began to, now I began to understand the message clearer and when God was speaking to me. And he was speaking to me also as an individual. And when I was telling him how tired I was with, you know, like my business was increasing. Yes, I thank God. But I'm all like, the more, like I was just, it just was not working. Like staff, everything. I was having so many issues. Yes, he encouraged me. But again, the Lord began to set my priorities right and began to tell me, about see it's not like he's going to tell me to leave my job now and all of that but he was beginning to tell me to about the higher call that that is what we must press in for the higher call that is greater that is bigger than any other of our, our agenda and that is what we must press in as believers to lay hold of everything christ that has laid hold of us and so i ought, and that is my message today you know it's about the higher call the higher call of god it's a call that it's not just the models of our success, you know, it's not, it's not judged by the ideas of what we think it should be. It's a, it's the heart of God. It is the heart of God. It's an agenda that is bigger than every other. It's in the purpose of God. And that is what we must press in to lay hold of. And that is my message today. And that is what I urge each and every one of us. I urge us, I urge us. I urge us. We, we, we press in to do the will of the Father, to do the will of God. John 4 34 says, Jesus said, I come to do the works of Him that has sent me, and I must finish it. And that is what we are pressing to do the will of God. What is the higher call? The higher call is the will of the Father. The higher call is the heart of the Father. We drop our agenda. It is a higher call because it's not an ordinary call, it comes from God Himself. That is what He's set to do with us and through us and so we must press in and press on thanks for listening to this message from the hills church our mission is to love people connect with family and touch the world learn more on our website at www.ecclesiahills.org or email us at hello at ecclesiahills.org 